Oh, man, fearless ladies, where you at? Come on, you got to do better than that. Fearless ladies, where you at? This is January 27th. These tickets are uh, going hot, Don told us this past Tuesday. Uh, Lorraine, we got to catch up. They, they put them out for sale, I think, last week in Cleveland and sold, like, what, 40 tickets or something like that? So it's going to be an incredible event. January 27th, I know it's like a, is it an overnight? It's not an overnight, but it has like a dinner one night, but it's a dinner, and there's all kind of stuff included. It's 45 bucks. You do not want to miss it. I think that that's going to be a great opportunity for ladies, you all, to grow in Jesus. I mean, the momentum that Fearless has been building over the years uh, is exponential, and there's just tons of things going on there. So for more information, cnclove.org, our website. You guys can talk to Dawn out in the lobby after church and get some more information there. But tickets are on sale. And I think, are they limited, or do you, do you have enough? They're limited, but, they're, but, it's, a, but it's a cutoff situation because you've got to order food and that sort of thing. So if you're going to go... Get it done, get them purchased, grab a girlfriend, make sure you guys get here, okay? Hey, listen, I love that Pastor Troy shared uh, the story or a little bit of information about National Quit Day. You know, the other day, my son was wrestling, and he's upgraded. There's, uh, you know, um, uh, divisions in their wrestling. He's just nine years old, but he's been wrestling for about three years, and they bumped him up to what's called the gold team this year. So, you know, that's, a, that's an honor, and he was all pumped for it, and he's good about it, and, uh, you know, but it's been rough. It's been rough going. How knows when you level up, things tend to get a little bit more difficult, right? First couple of years of wrestling, he thought he was pretty bad. And then uh, we, we bumped up into the gold team this year, and, you know, he is yet to win a match, and his little heart is just, like, messed up about it, you know. But he's such a, he's such a trooper. He, he fights through, and he goes hard. Uh, but the other day, you know, he got up against the kid. I think we were out in, I don't know where we were, a mentor or somewhere anyways, and the young man he was wrestling uh, was just a grade older than him. Here's the, thing about, here's the thing about being big, right? We don't really grow them small in the kids and family. Here's the thing about being big. Uh, he is in third grade. He weighs about 103 pounds or so. And so uh, most of the time when he's wrestling, he's facing fifth graders. He's even wrestled a sixth grade this year. At that age, man, that's a big difference, right? Like there's a huge amount of difference just in coordination, all those types of things. So he was matched up against a fourth grader the other day. And he said, Dad... I'm matched up against a fourth grader. I really think this is a good opportunity for me to get my first W. I'm like, I believe it, son. You're going to get it. Let's go. And he wrestles really well, but just can't, you know, can't hang with quite these older guys. And he wrestles this kid, and he comes in, and he's going hard, and he's really been working on his offense, and he shoots in real quick. And, man, he just kind of gave, gave up his body, right, like position-wise, and, and ended up getting pinned, devastated, devastated, crushed. You know, it takes a few minutes. And in the wrestling world, for me, I didn't wrestle, but the wrestling world is one of which, you know, you are, you are on your own. You are on your own. It is, it, is a, it is a man's sport. It's a very tough sport. And so, you know, you're just going to go ahead and take a few minutes. Like, there's a few parents that don't just quite get it. You could tell with the rookies, you know, like moms come out of the stands and stuff like that. All the rest of the, the veteran, veteran wrestling parents just kind of sit there, let their children take their time. They kind of go off into the corner, shed a few tears, and then you have to buck up, son. This is the way it's going to go, <laughs> right? All, all those good analogies in life. Well, he had his moment. And, uh, you know, he made his way over to the stands and found mom. He doesn't come find me usually. He comes and finds mom, and he sits next to her, gets his head in his shirt, and he's real disappointed. And I said, listen, man, you already had your opportunity to get emotional. I saw you over there. That part's done. You can't go back there. And he sucked it up, and we were done. And then he went out, and he had a good time. You know, he's fine. He played with the other kids, and they were hanging out. On the way home, I said, man, Lou, I want to give you one more piece of advice before we cap out the night. I said, I know you lost tonight, and I know you're disappointed. But the, the truth of the matter is, if, 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 you, if you don't quit, you can't lose. You just don't quit. And that's, that's such a powerful, powerful understanding. National Quit Day, Friday, two weeks after New Year's resolutions, New Year's Day. That's usually the average on which people keep their New Year's resolution, two weeks. And that's what Pastor Troy was talking about. But, but this morning... I want you to know, and maybe you can help me out. You can help your neighbor out here this morning. Look to somebody and tell them, just don't quit. Can you do it real quick? Just don't quit. Just don't quit. You can't lose if you don't quit. Amen? Man, that's powerful. I got a funny joke for you. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to use it. You guys can leave if you want. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to use it, but I, but I want to tell you this funny joke. It was really cool. Actually, my dad told this joke, and so I don't often tell jokes because it, it makes me feel weird. I think they're kind of corny, but, but this was really funny, I, and I, I think it would be a good one. So this young man, he came up to his dad, and, you know, he had those awkward questions that come from your kids, kids of certain types of ages. He was, you know, wondering where babies come from. He said, Dad, where, where, did, all, where did babies come from? Dad's like, oh, man, whew, this day is here, isn't it? And he's like, no, I mean, but I get that part. I want to know where did they all, where did we all come from? Like, 
When did it start? Where did, where did it come? He's well, you know, Jesus made Adam and Eve, and they had babies, and so on and forth, so forth, and, and that's, where, that's where it comes from. That's how we all got here. And he said, you sure about that? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure about that. That's what we know. That's what we understand. He said, right, I'm going to go ask mom. That's pretty typical, right? I'm going to go verify this with mom. She's usually the smarter one in the family. I know that's true in our household. She went over, and this is no reflection on Rachel, by the way. It's just a joke, just to be clear. She went, he went over to mom. He asked the same question. He said, mom, where, where did it all start? Where did babies come from? Because, you know, it's got to start somewhere, right? Like, what happened? And she looked over at her son, and she said, well, you know, what happened was there's evolution, right? Like, you, we all kind of came from fish, and then we grew some legs, and, and, then, and then monkeys came. We came from monkeys. And he said, really? Well, that's, that's different than what dad said. Okay, I'm going to go tell dad he's wrong. So he went back over to dad. He said, dad, you're wrong. Mom said, we all come from monkeys. We didn't come from Adam and Eve. And dad said, oh, no, son. See, mom was talking about her side of the family. That, that's... <laughs> On our side of the family, we, came, we come from over here. That's mom's side of the family. Again, that has nothing to do with my mother-in-law or anyone here. I just, I just thought it was a funny joke, independent of my life. And <laughs> so, well, here's a good question to lead into from that joke. Have you ever been offended before? And I, I maybe just defended somebody. But anybody in here ever been offended? Certainly. Have you, ever, have you ever been guilty of offending somebody? Yeah, we've all done it. A couple elbow pokes in the room right now, like sitting next to somebody. Yeah, you've offended me. Well, it's, it's tough not to live through life if you're a human being without either being offended or offending somebody. And, uh, you know, this morning I think it would be really cool if we could talk about how to avoid being offended, how to live without offense. And, you know, there's an answer to that. How do we do it? How do we live without offense? I mean, the simple answer is, is God's word. And that, that becomes a sermon we could stop right here. I got a few more minutes, so I'll, I'll, I'll divulge and give you a little bit more. But, but God's word is what delivers us from living in an offended life. That really is the core of, of where we'll head here. But, but we can find all those answers, much like anything else, in the word of God. Amen? Let's explore it a little bit. You know, division is the greatest enemy of vision. Division is your greatest enemy to God's vision for your life. When we're divided, when you're offended, when you're living in offense, it is, it is quite impossible to see the goodness and the vision of your life that God has in store for you. There's a Greek word for the word offended. It's called skandalizo. It equals scandal. That's, a, that's kind of the word we get scandal from. So the Greek word for, for offended is, is skandalizo, and that's where we get our word scandal. It's to put out a trap or a snare to cause one to stumble or even sin Leaving then you indignant, leaving you indignant, offended, and bitter. So, so offense is actually a trap. Like you're, you're offended by something, you're setting yourself and you're putting yourself in the very trap in which the devil set out for you, specifically. And now you're living in exactly where he wants you to be. That's why division is, is the greatest obstruction to vision because it, it, it creates a block. It puts you within a net, right? You ever seen the movies where somebody steps into the net and, whoosh, and it takes you up in the air? You're, you're set up to be divided because when you're divided, you are now no longer having vision for your life. You're no longer seeing the vision that God has for your life. You're living in bitterness. You're living in frustration. You're living in anger. You're living in a state of revenge. Offense is the trap. In Romans 14, 19, it says, So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. I think that's a good note to just, before we go any further, bow our heads and pray that very scripture. Romans 14, 19. Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us, Lord God, that you would deliver us in, into seeing and pursuing the things that which make for peace that make for building up one another around us, that, that create, Lord God, connection, that eliminate division, that, that free us from the snare and the trap of offense this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You know, a lot of times uh, I think it's a good idea to figure things out instead of what causes it, maybe what doesn't. What doesn't cause things, right? So the opposite side of that is often a good way for me at least to figure things out on the back end. So uh, not taking offense. Here, here's, here's what it doesn't mean. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you swallow the truth. 
yeah, you can't swallow the truth. I know that, you know, I gave the story about my son wrestling and how it's a real tough guy situation. You got to kind of swallow things, right? You got to just deal with it. You got to hold it. You got to embrace it. And then you just got to push them feelings way down and get back after. But you can't swallow the truth when you're offended. You have to deal with the truth. You can't suppress your hurt. You have to communicate it. You've got to forgive it. You got to air it out. You got to have difficult conversations is my point. You got to air it out. Let's get to the next one real quick. Doesn't mean uh, you have to minimize the offense. And it's very similar to the, to the one, the first one, don't, you don't have to swallow it. But it doesn't mean that you should minimize the offense. You know, a lot of times, and I know I'll take this kind of humble pie approach at times. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It really just strengthened me. It made me a better person. Well, it may have done that. But if you're not careful, you can minimize an offense in your life and put yourself in a place where ultimately you've never actually dealt with it. That's why the Bible is very clear about dealing with it. We'll explore some scriptures here in a minute that help us understand that. It's important that we deal with offense when it takes place, not just with the Lord, but with the person in which we're engaged with, right? Next one here real fast. doesn't mean that you let someone keep hurting you. This is a big one. You can't allow that offender to keep on hurting you. you. You have to protect yourself, right? You have to put yourself in a position of protection. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily build a wall that is impenetrable, that you cut off those ties. However, you also have to, to determine how much time maybe you're spending around that person, right? Where you're putting yourself, the position you're putting yourself in when you're around them. I mean, you know, there's times for me when I get to a certain place around a certain type of people, I'm not going if I'm not prayed up. Because I already know what's going to go down there. And I'm not trying to be negative, but the reality is, is I'm not going to minimize that, that situation. And I'm not going to allow that person to keep on hurting me. Now, I'm not going to like, separate myself from them. There's just some, I mean, look, you might, be, you might be married to that person, right? You, you might be related to that person. So, so is it a good idea to, to, to remove yourself from the situation? Certainly not. I want to see my family. I want to see my loved ones. I want to see my good friends. But there is, a, there is at a point in which I must, must either, you know, do drastic things like remove myself for a time period and or ensure that I'm ready mentally, I'm ready spiritually before I, I engage myself in that situation or with that person. There's one more here. It doesn't mean that a disagreement or a misunderstanding. It doesn't mean, offense isn't necessarily a, 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 a disagreement or a misunderstanding. You ever heard the phrase, uh, we can agree to disagree? Now, I'm not talking about coracle belief systems here. I'm talking about just opinions, perspectives, understandings. You know, a lot of times we'll get offended uh, by the idea that you don't agree with me. Like, wait a second, we, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood. We go to the same church. Your daddy knows my daddy. I know your grandma. Oh, how could you not agree with me? Why well, does don't agree with you? I mean, it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean that we don't have the same faith. It doesn't mean we don't, we don't share a lot of other things, but there's just some things I don't agree with. You know, I'll, I'll be very candid with you. You know, Pastor Troy and I have worked together for many years. He's married to my sister. You know, we're family. He's the senior leader here at Church on the North Coast, senior pastor. There, there's often times when, you know, we rely on one another in the running of the ministry. You know, both him and I have uh, major responsibilities here, and he'll, he'll rely on me for things, and I'll rely on him for things. And there's oftentimes decisions that he makes that I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it doesn't mean that, that we're at odds with one another. It's just a different running of the things. And again, I'm not, I'm not talking about coracle foundational issues. I'm just thinking, like, you know, he says potato, I say potato. Like, I, you know, at the end of the day, somebody's got to make that decision. And, and I can't allow a disagreement or a misunderstanding to put us in a place of division, which then now obstructs the vision, not just for me, but for you all, for our region, for our city, right? For our state, for our country, our world. It's so crucial that we understand that, that offense doesn't necessarily mean a disagreement. You, let me just take the pressure off. You can disagree with people, even in here. You've known them for, we can disagree on something and I can love you just as much. But it's important that when I approach a conversation with you or an issue with you, that I'm in that understanding of, I'm in that place of understanding, right? I, I'm, 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 I am prepared to, to, to allow for there to be a, a, a conversation, a discourse that, that is open to different opinions. That's, that's pretty simple, basic stuff, right? But we don't, we don't often live that way. We often live in a place where we surround ourselves and want to engage with one another or people or others that agree wholeheartedly with every single thing that we 
think. And if they don't, well, then you just offended me. I'm not, you, listen, I don't, th- I, I am separate from you. Like my makeup comes from Jesus, first of all. But then my life circumstances, my surroundings, my relationships, right? My hurts, my pains, my joys, my celebrations. All those things are a combination of the development, my education, my, just everything. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of development of, of my mind, my soul, my spirit coming together to determine how it is that I think about something, right? Same with you. All good. That's what you think. Go on and think it. It doesn't make any difference to me. Right? All I want to ensure when it really comes down to it is that you love Jesus with all your heart. That's, that's really what I want to make sure of. And we can get past that because I can't get past that. <laughs> that part is going to offend me. I got, I got to make sure that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And we got that together, we can figure everything else out. Matter of fact, we can spend a lot less time trying to figure that out and just talk about Jesus. And we're all good. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil, evil behavior. It just kind of grabs it all at the end, everything. Get rid of all of it. But I think the key to that in the beginning is get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, and harsh words, and slander. It's so important that we're, we're, we're conscious in our minds of operating outside of offense because you can tell when somebody's offended. You can tell when somebody's living in an offended state. They got, they got revenge on their mind. And there isn't much you're saying that they're even coming close to agreeing with. They're approaching you in the situation with a premeditated perspective or understanding of like, you're going to say that, I'm going to say this. It doesn't matter. You're going to say white, I'm going to say black. You're going to say right, I'm going to say left. That's just the way it's going to be. But the Bible in Ephesians is telling us, get rid of all of that. That's what it's saying. Get rid of that perspective. Get rid of that mentality. It, it, it obstructs your vision. Well, here's, here's the thing. How, how do we do this? So that's important because, you know, there's a lot of good words that come out, but how do I do it? How, how do I live without offense? How do I not take offense? Because sometimes, guilty as charged, I'm easily offended. And that's usually a, a, a you know, the, the, the precursor to that is usually where I'm at mentally, spiritually, emotionally, right? But, but if, we're, if we're easily offended, how do we no longer live a life or how do we walk or how do we live without being offended by everything, by everything? Number one, ask God to reveal the hurts in your heart. You got to talk them out. It's really simple. It, this is simple stuff. Like, I, I think you guys are getting to know me pretty well. Like, I like to keep things simple, right? You got to talk it out. You got to air out these things. You've got to verbalize these things with the Lord. Tell the truth. Examine your heart. Psalms 139.1 says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. He already knows anyways. Hey, like newsflash. It, what he wants to do is, is go to therapy with you. <laughs> He's like, listen, I already know. What do you think? Right? You ever been to a therapist? It's a lot of, what do you think? Like, why am I paying you? Like, all you ask me is what I think. I want to know what you think. That's why I'm here. Like, I'm not here to fix you. I already know how to fix you. I've already got your fix. What you need to do is you need to, you need to know. I know. See, Jesus knows. Now he wants you to know. You've got to air out. You've got to communicate that hurt and that pain to him. Offer it up to God and don't minimize it. He wants to help you heal. You can't minimize the offense in your life, the pain in your life, the hurt in your life. And and I'm not just talking about relational offense. I'm talking about life offense. The kind of things that have taken place in your life that have created deep, scarring pain that now leave you hurt and offended, in some cases, not to another person, but to God. You're offended and hurt by the idea falsely thinking that God allowed this thing to take place in your life and that he did this. God, you can't minimize that. You can't, you can't hold that back. It's in those difficult conversations with the Lord that heals those deep pains. We've got to get comfortable with telling the Lord, like, listen, you hurt me. And then in that revelation, Jesus is like, I, I didn't hurt you. I, I died for you. I healed you. I protect you. 
That's the Holy Spirit communicating the love of Jesus that can only take place when you start to have a relationship with him and there's an exchange of grace and mercy for your hurt. It's the freedom key. All right, we'll get to that part. Um, We did that, we did that. Uh, Okay, so number two, was that number two? This is number two. Ask God to forgive you for the ways you have... (laughs) So the ways you have offended others. And I know for the most part, it seemed like we were talking about other people. But now we're talking about you. Because we have a part to play in offense as well, right? It takes two to tango, they say. So oftentimes, if, if you're offended, there should probably be a moment in time when you sit back and you think to yourself, okay, well, if I'm offended, what part, if any, did I play in the offense? Because you're, you were a part of the conversation. There was, there was me and then there was you. And you're offended, and well, what did, I, what did I do, right? Or I'm offended, what, what did I do? What part did I have to play in it? So we've got we've to step back and find out what part did I play in that portion of offense. Search me, O oh God, and know that my heart, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way of the everlasting. Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. See, the more unforgiving you are towards others is directly related to how you will receive God's forgiveness in your life. There's a correlation there, right? You know, people who understand and have received the forgiveness of Jesus in their life, they're quick to forgive. Those who haven't or don't quite understand it or don't, don't, haven't quite really grasped it, they may, they may think it, but they haven't, they haven't grasped it. They haven't, they haven't put it and hit it in the way in their heart. They have a difficult time forgiving because they've yet to really receive the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus in their own life. So you can't give what you don't have. There's another way to say it. You can say it like this. Your willingness to accept God's forgiveness in your life is directly linked to your willingness to forgive others. You must first, and you have to to understand and, and accept first the forgiveness of Jesus in your life before you can begin to easily forgive others. That's a big time reason why most people you know that are offended easily is because they've yet to, to, to take on deeply the understanding of the forgiveness that Jesus gave them at the cross. Number three, forgive the one who offended you. Now this right here, this is the freedom key. Even when you're offended, when you can forgive the one who offended you, and this is, this is hard, this is very hard, for especially spouses, tight relationships, family members. I mean, my goodness, when you get into a relationship that's so deep and you're offended by the one person or the people that you trust the most, that, that's hard to forgive. It's easy for me to forgive and forget somebody that's driving down the road and cuts me off. I'm angry for a moment, and then I'm done. I'm like, oh, I'm doing more apologizing than they were. I'm like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Right? I didn't mean to you know, say what I said or be angry. My bad. But I don't have to, have to see that person again. It's over. It's done. But what happens when, when you know, you're so offended by your husband or by your wife or girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, your brother, your mother, your father, your parent? Could you imagine? Right? I know you can because we've all been there. When you're offended by family or by a loved one, it's very difficult to forgive that person. But you've got to. You, you, you have to do it. It's, in fact, the key to your freedom. The thing is, is that you've been forgiven so you can be a forgiver. Here's how it goes. What it does mean, uh, what what does it mean um, or equal for us, right? What what does it mean to to have forgiveness or to give forgiveness when you're offended, when it's equal to us? Here's here's how it goes. When when I'm offended, Eddie, will you help me out? Eddie, Eddie offended me. He didn't invite me down to Florida to go on his boat. He took a bunch of pictures. All of his buddies were there. Our crew was there. I was the only one that didn't get the invite to come down and, and hang out on the boat. It's always down here. It's 20 degrees, bro. Yeah, I will, that's what I'm saying. You went back and you didn't take me. That's ridiculous. Well, what? here's the portion, here's the portion of Eddie's involvement right here. Eddie offended me. I'm hurt. I forgive Eddie and I give it to him. I give him my forgiveness. He takes it. What did he just get from me? He got my forgiveness. He got grace from me. 
Now, typically there's an exchange in those types of scenarios or you think in your mind. So now so you're thinking, what's Eddie going to give to me? Eddie, what can you give to me since I gave you forgiveness? Any? Trip to Florida. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. But really, Eddie can't give anything to me. Eddie has nothing to give to me. See, when I give grace to Eddie like Jesus gave grace to me, I don't owe anybody anything back in return. Eddie can't give what Jesus has given to me. So I give Eddie grace. I give Eddie mercy. I give Eddie forgiveness. And in return, Jesus gives me freedom. Whether or not Eddie's mad or not, because you know what probably happened during that conversation? Eddie probably got up in his fields as well. Well, he's like, bro, I invite you over and over and over again, and all you ever say is no, or you always cancel last minute, or yada, 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 whatever. Eddie, you can sit down. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Get ready your hand. It's, it's, it's a scenario where I don't need your involvement to be free. That's what's so great about mercy. That's what's so great about grace is that there is no need for you to be involved whatsoever. You owe me nothing back. If I'm offended by something and you've done something to me, all I've got to do is forgive you and give you grace. And then Jesus rewards me with freedom. Isn't that powerful? So even on the other end, if that situation is a bad one, is, it still, is still formulating you know, some issues there, I can walk away from that situation and still be free knowing that I gave you grace. And in return, I got freedom from Jesus. That's powerful. You always release it to God. You got to let it go. You got to let it go and you got to get quicker at it, right? It's a trained tool in your arsenal. Speed comes when you're training speed. That's how it works. Like you want to get better at something, you got to do it. Oftentimes, you know, people say, well, how do you get strong at this? Or what should I do? You do it. Like, there's no real, there's no real magic formula to getting a better back squat. You, you, want, you want to put more plates on the bar, then you got a back squat. That's just the way that's going to go. You got to do it consistently. You've got to let it go. You got to get there. And sometimes you need to overlook the offense. Man, relax a little bit, right? Overlook it. There, there, you can't be so quick. But what did you say? What? Like, we're on, we're on 10 at all times just almost looking to be offended, wanting to find out the tone you said it in. Like, texting is the worst. I hate texting. I almost have to all the time put, like, little smile face emojis just to know you. I'm joking. Because I'm so worried about whether or not somebody will get offended. I certainly don't want to offend anybody, but my, my, my sense of humor is dumb sometimes. I'm laughing with me and nobody else is laughing. I'm like, you didn't think that was funny? I thought it was funny. Like, no, that was hurtful. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I put the emoji face. Look at it. It's had a, a smile. Laugh out loud. Like, you're a jerk, man. I'm like, all right, we're only ever talking in person. Looking past the offense. A, person will, uh, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That's in Proverbs. It's 19.11. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Man, that's the level I want to get on. I want to be able to overlook offenses. Look past it. Recognize them for what they are. The enemy's attack on my life, the deficiency in yours, and both of us need to work on things. That's fine, right? I, I, don't, I don't have to, to, to be offended. Even if it's a true offense, even if you really are trying to hurt my feelings, I'm trying to get to the level where I can overlook it to the point of understanding here's a whole bunch of mercy and grace. I'm free. I'm free. We, we don't even have to air it out. You know why? I already aired it out for you. On your behalf, on my behalf, I premeditated airing it out. Jesus, anything and everything anybody says today, that's it. I'm good. The faster you overlook it, the faster you can get back to your good time. When you recognize and acknowledge it, but you give it immediate grace, give it as often as possible. Recognize it. Acknowledge it. That's okay. I'm not, talking, I'm not saying like you need to just be a punching bag for people. That's not what I'm suggesting. You can recognize it. You can acknowledge it. And be like, oh, well, I see what you're trying to do there. All right, have a good day. I'll see you later, right? You can remove yourself. You can acknowledge it, but you don't have to get all up in your feels. The, 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 the enemy wants you to. That's where he wants you to get. He wants you to grab onto that and be like, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Right, head cocked sideways, hands on the hips. Like, I hear what you're trying to say, but I'm going to stay free and you're going to need to work on you. I'm going I'm to go over here. I don't need to exchange with you freedom. 
All I need to do is give you mercy and grace like I gave it to Eddie, and now I can just walk away. I'm free. I don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. Now, sometimes you got to point out the offense, okay? It's not always just about walking away. Sometimes you got to go toe-to-toe. You got to go man-to-man. You got to go woman-to-woman. There's a point in which there is an interaction that must take place in order to restore the relationship because I know what you just said or what you just did, I'm not going to be able to overlook. (laughs) I'm not going to be able just to let it go. Whatever the reason why, what you did right there, mm, I trust you with my life, but never with my money or my wife, right? Something there in in between went a little bit too far, and now we got to have a conversation. Now we got to have a man-to-man. we got to have a sit-down. I need to look you in the eyeballs. I need you to look me back, and we need to figure this out. If another believer sins against you, go privately. Privately would be the key word here, right? (laughs) Privately. Not like three ways down, like, did you hear what happened? You should probably go talk to Lou. Like, how did you know what happened? Because you're going around telling everybody else but the person that actually offended you. The Bible is really clear. Go privately to the other person, it says. And point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you, you have won that person back. So there's times when we have to go toe-to-toe. we got to let things kind of air out. we gotta, we got to have some adult conversations, some loving conversations that ensure the relationships remain intact. And we can get back on the good road to loving one another. That happens. we got to get there. But, man, how, how sweet is it when you can just walk away and everything's great? I mean, I, I love to get there on every level. But when it does happen, and if it does happen... Man, you just go privately to somebody and say, listen, I'd love to grab a cup of coffee with you because I love you. You know, a lot of times, like, people misunderstand. Like, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> that means I don't care, right? Like, so, so, so often when you're offended, you're offended by someone or something that deeply concerns you. That's a quality relationship. You want to be able to do that. I'm not talking about, like, TV stuff. You're getting offended by people on Twitter. That's, that's a whole different discussion. You need to deal with that. <laughs> But, but, a, but a relationship, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's identifiably strong when, when I'm wanting to actually communicate with you to repair the relationship. Here's something that you always, always must do. This is the one you want to write down. You always refuse to take revenge. I said it many times throughout the message here today. Revenge will destroy your destiny. This is the strap. This is the trap. This is the scandalizo. The scandalizo. This is it right here. This is the crux of the situation. If, if you are living in revenge mode, if you are contemplating how can I get this person back for what they did to me, right? If you're creating scenarios in your mind, preparing, playing that weird, crazy, your vindictive long-term game here, right? You're trying to figure out how can I pay them back? I'll play the long game. If you're living in revenge, you're living in the trap of the devil. That is the scandalizo of the situation. It becomes a scandal. It becomes a destructive force in your life that all roads lead to the pit of hell. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Man, that's the freedom. That's the freedom that happens when you give forgiveness. You walk away. God's not forgotten that. He, he, is, he is going to, he is a just God. He has prepared a way to ensure that everybody gets what's coming to them. In the perfect mercy and grace of Jesus, it's perfect. You can forgive, walk away, and know and trust that you're free And that everybody else is going to get their freedom too, one way or the other. However God works that out, he's got it. Not your problem. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, forgiveness, you must forgive them. Now, what's that mean? Now, on number eight, you're going to give them five reasons, right? Like number seven, here comes number eight. Now, I'm going to give you five reasons to never do that to me again No, it says even if they do that to you seven times a day, the Bible says even 70 times seven. The point is it's over and over and over again. You see that same person seven times in one day, and they do the same thing to you, offend you over and over and over and over again. 
The Bible tells us we have to forgive them again and again and again. Let's keep breezing our way through here. Now we're praying for the one who's offended us. We must pray for the one who's offended us. In Matthew 5, it says, But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Man, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. But pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who offend you. You're already free. You know what that, dealing, that person is dealing with? They're still living in bondage. You've forgiven them. You've let that offense go. And they're still over there struggling, trying to figure out how to get things together. They need your support. They need your prayer. They need your intercession. That is your instructions from your father. Pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) Remember this. Remember that God's plan for you is greater than their offense. That's such a huge point to understanding. You guys remember Joseph? I mean, this young man was sold by his very brothers. If anybody ever had a reason to be offended and completely lose his mind and go crazy, and the story goes, like, just fast forward, went through all kinds of things, imprisoned, enslaved, empowered, now has the ability to destroy his family. You talk about a revenge plot. Like, that's wild. In the very palm of his hand. I mean, if I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I might just starve y'all to death. You came here looking for wheat. I'm going to feed everybody but you. You, you sold me? And, and now I have the power to determine whether or not you even have anything to eat? Man, brother. But the reality of God's plan for your life, just like Joseph's, was that there was a much bigger vision than what your brother's the people who offended you, what you could ever even possibly see. And if he had, could you imagine if Joseph remained in a state of offense, if he remained in a state of revenge, if he took what hurt him and used it and allowed it to ensnare him in a scandalizo, in a trap of offense, what that story would look like. Genesis 5.20 says, you intended to harm me. This is the story of Joseph. And I love that part because Joseph didn't minimize it. This is what he's saying to his brothers. You intended to harm me. Let's just put that out there real quick. <laughs> I just want to air this out so we're all on the same page. Y'all sold me just so we're clear. That's not cool. I didn't like it. I'm not happy about it, but I forgive you. So I want to make sure that one of the things that we leave here today with is understanding that I'm not asking you to minimize the pain and hurt in your life. I'm I'm telling you, you should acknowledge it, recognize it, protect it, see it, don't let it happen again, have healthy boundaries, but recognize the vision for your life is so much bigger than the offense in your life. It goes on to say, he didn't minimize it, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Your ability to recognize the offense in your life Give forgiveness to the person who offended you will save many lives. Just yesterday, we celebrated the homegoing of Vanessa Bishop. Oh, my gosh. One of the sweetest ladies on the way in here, I had a, I had a cinnamon disc. She gives out these cinnamon discs, you know, church candy. You know what I mean? Like I, when, when I was younger, Grandma Rose gave out dumb, dumb pops, and some ladies do that. But, but Vanessa always had these little cinnamon discs, little red cinnamon discs. And, you know, she would always give them to me in a way that was more than just a candy. She would put them in my hand, and she'd, she'd close it tight and say, here you go. And I never even really liked cinnamon discs, to be honest. I love you, Vanessa. I just was like, but, but, I, but I took them, and I began to like them. And now every time I eat one, it's because I, I think of Vanessa and the way she put that in my hand. And she wanted me to know, I, I just love you. This is, this is one of the things that is one of my favorites, and now I want to give it to you. And it's a way of me telling you that I care about you and I love you and I cherish you, and you're important, and the vision for your life is big. That's awesome, right? Well, yesterday we celebrated her life, and, and her life saved many lives. You know, Vanessa had plenty of things throughout her lifetime I could have just imagined that she could have remained offended about. A young black woman growing up in the city of Cleveland went to a private school. This was in the 50s, 60s, graduated top of her class, took a position at IBM, 
successfully worked her way through, you know, uh, corporate world over the years, worked for companies like Xerox and major universities, and she was a woman of excellence. I got to meet her sisters yesterday. My gosh, it was like staring at them, at her. A whole family of excellence, and one after another, 45 minutes later, uh, as everyone came up to share their thoughts and their memories of Vanessa, it was clear that Vanessa understood the vision for her life was bigger than the offenses that took place in her life. And because she understood that, there was aunties up here, friends, nieces and nephews, siblings, children, and every single one of them spoke to the relationship they have with Jesus because of Vanessa, because of her willingness to look past an offense. Now, if you knew Vanessa, she didn't minimize offenses. She'll let you know what you did wrong. She would just quickly then after that tell you it's okay and I forgive you because she was a free woman. And, and her freedom saved many lives. It was a powerful testimony to what's possible when we can let go of offense and hurt in our life. When we can allow Jesus in. When we can take ourselves from, from, from offense to healing. When we can give grace and mercy and receive freedom, what can take place. Here's the key to all of it. And you guys... Want to stand with me? Let's stand up. We'll close here. Here's, here's the key to all of it because none of it exists until we identify the power of the cross. It's at the cross where forgiveness is found. If this morning you don't know Jesus or if you're not in a relationship with him that that resonates with you a little bit of what I was saying today when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to overlooking offense, when it comes to dealing with offense and hurt and pain, I would, I would say this as gently as I possibly can. It's one of two reasons. It's either because you've yet to sit at the foot of the cross of Jesus or it's because you haven't spent much time there recently. Because at the foot of the cross... And what I mean by that is in the presence of God, there is no offense. It's impossible. The blood of Jesus eliminates, decimates, eradicates pain, hurt, confusion, anger, frustration, vengefulness. It is at the cross where healing takes place, restoration forgiveness, mercy, and grace. If this morning you're dealing with a sense of, I'm offended by life, I'm offended by shortcomings, I'm offended by the idea that I don't have enough, I should have this and I don't. They should treat me this way and they don't. This shouldn't have happened to me. I know there's pain there. But if that's how you're feeling, if that's where you're at, I would beg of you to consider today, this very moment, spending just a few moments at the foot of the cross of Jesus in his presence and allow him to exchange your offense and your hurt and your pain for freedom. I never got to say what I needed to say to him. I couldn't even think of the idea of picking up the phone and telling them like it is. You don't need to. They got nothing they can give back to you anyway. All you've got to do is give them forgiveness and in return, Jesus will give you freedom. There's an airing out of grievance that you need to have with the Lord. He wants it. That's why he died. That's why he put himself in the position that he did, sending his son to earth to suffer, to live, to understand, to embrace the snares, the scandalizo of life. Jesus was tempted. 
Jesus was hurt. He was betrayed for that very reason. So that the testing of his father could be there, that the testing of the principles of his father could be put into work to say, God, despite what they've done to me, despite what they've done to me, God, I forgive them. And freedom took place. And it was at that very moment on the cross when that freedom took place that it was extended to each and every single one of you, to me, to your family, to those who hurt you, to those who offended you. This morning, the confusion and the pain of life circumstances can be brought to the cross and exchanged for the freedom, the peace, the love, the gentleness, the joy, on and on and on of what God has to offer. It's quite miraculous. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. And you are healed because of his wounds. You are free because he took your offense. He took your hurt. He took your pain, your loss, your tragedy. And he gave you healing. And all he wants in return is your heart. He wants your grievance. He wants you to air it out. Forgiveness is not something you do, it's something he's done. You don't do forgiveness. Jesus did forgiveness. None of you, I, can offer you what Jesus can offer you. I can extend you the idea of his grace. I can certainly walk in it. But when it's all said and done, it'll be meaningless to you if you don't receive it from him. Because mine is insufficient. My forgiveness, it won't mean anything to you past the point of when it means something to you in the moment. Down the line, it'll come back. Down the line, whatever I did to you, it's, it's going to rear its ugly head again and you're going to be mad about it again. That's just the way it's going to be. But when Jesus forgives you, when you receive Jesus, when, he, when you take on his forgiveness, that's when the real freedom takes place. Now what I've done means so little. It just doesn't, who cares? I'm able to look past it. Man, Louis did that, I don't care. I'm gonna go call him right now. I'm gonna remind him, and then we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take him out for a round of golf. You can do that. It, it, it no longer becomes an issue because you've received something so much greater. Now, once you've truly accepted it, once you've taken on Jesus' forgiveness, it's not until then that you can actually give it. So this morning, I want to offer and extend to you as our altar ministers come to the stage the opportunity to receive forgiveness and equally as important, a step towards beginning to be able to give forgiveness, to heal, to understand it. It's very instructional today, but I like, I like to teach or preach that way because man, I got life to live. And I know, I know, you know, there's, we all got our little superpowers, man. I just need to know how to get this thing done. Like, show me, tell me, give me some instructions. That's how you do it, man. You want to live free? You want to know why some people can just like skip along through the day and seem like they got no issues? It's because they've tapped into the understanding like, I can't, I can't, I can't fix you. Like only Jesus can fix you. And you may have wronged me and I probably should be mad, but to be honest, like I just, I don't care. <laughs> and the reason why is because I spend time at the foot of Jesus. I spend time at his cross. I recognize and acknowledge the goodness that he's given to me in my life. 
And I recognize that if I focus on that, then the vision that he has for me, it'll literally cost lives. It'll cost lives. Life and death is what we're talking about. So, so for me to stay offended, me to stay angry, me to stay vengeful, it could kill you. It could literally kill you. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be your murderer. <laughs> I see it. I understand it. But man, I forgive you this morning. That's what Jesus wants to give to you this morning. Amen. If that's something you're looking for this morning, if you haven't spent time at the cross, if you need just a reminder of God, you need to grieve it out with him. Let him know what hurts you. Acknowledge it. Go ahead, do it. These folks up here, they got your back. You know why I know? Because they do it too. There's some fish shaking that goes on every once in a while. Jesus, why do you do this? Why is this why going through this? But what they know is that, that Jesus is, is okay with their grievance, that they can air it out. They can set healthy boundaries. He's going to set them back on track. This morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment right here, right now. Let's all bow our heads. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your freedom. I am the son and daughter of the Almighty forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to, to before you leave, it, it would mean so much to me and so much to you, really, is if you took the time to come this way before you went that way. And our, our altar ministers here have a gift for you. They want to give to you. They want to pray with you. If before you leave, you need to spend some time at the foot of the cross and just be reminded of how much Jesus loves you, of how much he cares for you, of how much he desires for you to live in freedom, come this way. Spend some time at the altar. Pray with somebody. Listen, other than that, enjoy that big ball of sunshine I saw outside this morning. Woo! Yeah, Jesus, let's go. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. We'll see you again right back here this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. We love you. Don't forget to grab your fearless tickets on the way out, ladies. Come on, here we go. Be blessed.